Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Jane has just told us, we're going to be continuing in the book of Lamentations today. And I uh, have the Bible reading here for us from Lamentations chapter 5. Uh, so you can look that up in your Bibles or you can just uh, follow along and listen as I read. Lamentations chapter 5. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become fatherless. Our mothers are widows. We must buy the water we drink. Our wood can, had, can be had only at a price. Those who pursue us are at our heels. We are weary and find no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our ancestors, our, our ancestors sinned and are no more, and we bear their punishment. Slaves rule over us, and there is no one to free us from their hands. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. Women have been violated in Zion and virgins in the towns of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders are shown no respect. Young men toil at the millstones. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, with jackals prowling over it. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jocelyn, and thanks, Jane. Let's uh, pray and we'll look at Lamentations together. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And so, our Father, as we hear your word today, teach us endurance and provide us with encouragement that we might have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in the small town of uh, Astuchu in northern Japan, uh, 2,000 of their residents were lost in the tsunami of 2011. The trauma of the event itself was significant, and then there was the personal loss of so many, which meant that the waves kept coming, the waves of grief and loss. And one man recognised the need to process such grief by speaking about it, by giving it words. 
He placed an old phone booth in his backyard with a disconnected rotary phone. He would dial his cousin's number and talk through life and loss. And you can see that phone uh, on the slide next to me. Eventually, other people would come and reuse the booth and fill in the guest book from all over the place, dialing old numbers or simply speaking into the receiver to express their grief and to give voice to their loss. Grief and loss, sorrow and suffering need words, but those words are often hard to find. They're often weighty to hear. They're often uncomfortable to share. And yet experience, as well as science, tells us that finding words and expressing them through grief and suffering is an important part of the healing process and an essential step in moving forward. But is there more to that than simply finding and speaking the words? If speaking into a disconnected receiver can bring some healing, then what about speaking to the Sovereign Lord? Surely that has to bring some actual hope. We heard last week as we looked at Lamentations that the lament of God's people in extraordinary grief and suffering saw the prophet on their behalf praying in the dust and crying out for relief. And that's what lament does. It recognises the reality and it doesn't gloss over it with convenient solutions and it doesn't cut it short with easy and superficial answers. The book of Lamentations with its ordered acrostic poems that work through the Hebrew alphabet and give expression, as it were, to the A to Z of grief and loss provide words, words that express the horror and disbelief, the depths of pain and despair that God's people are experiencing as they uh, witness and experience uh, the Babylonian army coming into Jerusalem in 586 BC and laying siege to that city and destroying their city and their lives and their livelihoods. But this praying in the dust of lament, this crying out for relief isn't simply the cathartic expression of grief and pain. This isn't simply the speaking of words to a disconnected receiver or yelling into a void in the darkness because there's no one left to speak to. Lament is the crying out to the Lord. This is praying to the one who made you and who loves you and who not only cares enough to listen but is sovereign enough to act and is powerful enough to help. And so we finished last week with those words about holding on with hope from chapter 3, the, the theological and the literary centre of this book of Lamentations in chapter 3, which was more about a change of mind and not a change in circumstances. It was holding on with hope to the only unshakable thing in the universe when every single other thing in the world has been taken away. Yet this I call to mind... And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, 
for his compassions never fail, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. With all the asking of why, with all the confusion of how, with all the anxiety of what if and all the regrets of if only still lingering in the air, the prophet calls to mind the character of God where he finds strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And while in the middle of suffering and grief, ultimate future hope might feel too dim to see and too distant to cling to, Lamentations 3 reminds us of the close hope of new morning mercies, that God will be enough for you today and he will be enough for you tomorrow morning and so wait quietly for him and trust him each day. Well, as we get towards the end of this book, chapter 5, the acrostic nature of the book gives way to the community coming together. They've returned together and no longer is the prophet simply speaking on their behalf, but they are lamenting together. They're praying as the gathered community in what's left of Jerusalem. It's no, no longer simply the prophet praying on their behalf, but it is them praying together. Such an important thing for God's people to do, expressing their grief and sorrow, sharing their grief and pain together. And the great writer Eugene Peterson, Peterson says, prayer is suffering's best result. In prayer, God's anger is neither sentimentally glossed over nor cynically debunked, but is seized as a lever to pry open the doors of redemption. And it's as they gather to pray together, praying to God in the midst of their suffering that they're seeking to pry open the doors of redemption. And so there's two prayers that they pray in chapter 5. Remember us, Lord, and restore us to yourself, Lord. Remember and restore. Chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. I read a great line during the week that said, Lamentations expresses God's unfiltered sovereignty. That is, it's unfiltered, everything is in his hands, even the atrocities that these people have experienced, even the suffering of grief and loss. And so call to him because he is sovereign over suffering. Remembering their pain and seeing their disgrace, it's not a stretch for the Lord because he brought it upon them. He is in charge of it. 
He's even the one who allows it and who delivers the suffering. And this, well, this ironically is cause for hope. And it can even give strength in suffering, even as it baffles, even as it brings tears. Because God's sovereignty over our suffering means that at no point are you out of reach of his saving arm. At no point have you moved outside the gaze of his concern. At no point have you exhausted his power or broken yourself off from those things that are under his control. And so even in the midst of confusion and tears, they cry out to God, remember. And this suffering that they're experiencing, it's not limited to one or two people, it is everyone at every stage of life, no matter their title or position, no matter their age or their gender. Verse 11, women have been violated in Zion, virgins in the towns of Judah, princes have been hung up by their hands, elders are shown no respect, young men toil at the millstones, boys stagger under loads of wood, the elders are gone from the city, the young men has stopped their music. This suffering doesn't discriminate. Rich and poor, old and young, men and women. In chapter 4, there's even more categories, young men and infants, pampered upper class, the nobility, nursing mothers, prophets and priests, even the king himself. And so you can helpfully make the connection here that suffering is almost the only universal human experience. (laughs) That one defining feature of humanity in this broken and divided world. And the conclusion of Lamentations is that no one is beyond suffering and no one is beyond God's judgment because of the universality of our sin. And because suffering is universal and sin is universal and therefore judgment is universal, that's why we want to declare day in and day out to the nations, our neighbours and the next generation, that Jesus is our only hope. No matter who you are or where you live or what your background or your current circumstances, your wealth, your title, your status or career, your age or stage, Jesus is your only hope because nothing exempts you from God's judgment or renders you unaccountable for your sin and your failure to love God with your whole heart and serve him with your whole life. And so for these people in 586 BC, sitting in the dust of Jerusalem, praying that God would remember us, Lord, it doesn't just involve reciting their circumstances, it involves confessing their sins. Have a look at verse 15. Joy is gone from our hearts, our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate with jackals prowling over it. They suffer for their sins. This is God's judgment. 
And just as we said last week, while we don't often have that perspective and the Bible doesn't let us draw that conclusion that this suffering equals this sin, we do know that death is the punishment for sin. We do know that this whole world groans under the weight of sin and death as the just judgment of God at our sin. And so so while we don't want to say that this sin equals this suffering, we do want to say that any suffering, any grief, any pain should remind us that we are sinners in need of of repentance and forgiveness. And whatever else we're praying, whatever else we're calling upon God for in our circumstances and recalling God's character, We need to remember to keep confessing our sins, throwing ourselves upon his grace and his mercy. And the end point of this lament and this confession of sin, the end point is a prayer for a restored relationship. Restore us to yourself, Lord. That's the second prayer. Have a look at verse 19. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Do you see how as they call upon God to restore them, Not simply are they asking him to repair their circumstances. Because for them, a return to peace, a return to security, being allowed to come back to the city and the temple and the community of God's people under God's loving rule and care, it means being restored to him. Not just restore the city, not just restore our lives, restore us to you, Lord, they pray. Restore our relationship that sin has broken, O Lord. And that's the right thing for all of us to pray and to cry out for. That's the greatest thing that each of us needs, to be restored in our relationship with the God who made us and who loves us. But as you reflect on that prayer to restore them to the Lord, and as this book of Lamentations comes to the end, do you find it completely dissatisfying and unresolved? It ends with no resolution, but with a question hanging in the air, unless you have utterly rejected us, And there's no hope for restoration and are angry with us beyond measure, angry with us forever. And as you think about grief and loss and the experience of suffering, I wonder if that just feels like a totally accurate, even if dissatisfying ending. That resolution is so often elusive that the questions very rarely land in concrete and satisfying ways. 
And if you go to a Holocaust memorial today, or if you stand near the Wailing Wall and hear lamentations being read and recited, so many in the world never find the resolution to that question or the answer to their suffering. But here's the wonderful thing for the Christian who laments. That while so many of those questions do stay lingering and never land in a satisfying way, the resolution does come and the restoration is promised and the renewal of all things is guaranteed. Because the Bible continues... The story isn't finished at the book of Lamentations because God would lead his people back. Daniel would pray. The people would return. The temple would be rebuilt. That's not the restoration. That's not the renewal that the Bible points us to because it's ultimately in the Lord Jesus, the perfect Son of God, whose perfect life and whose sin-bearing death and whose life-giving resurrection guarantees for us the renewal of all things and a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father and eternal security at His right hand forever. The risen Jesus will be all in all. He will wipe every tear from our eyes and shepherd us, our hearts and shelter us forever because... The cup of God's wrath didn't pass from his lips, but he went to the cross and drank God's judgment to the dregs for us. And so as Christians, we lament together, that's important and we should do it. We acknowledge our suffering, we confess our sins, we recall God's character and we pray for him to restore us to himself. And we do this as people who have ultimate hope in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. We do not grieve with uncertainty that lingers in the air and will not land. We grieve with certain hope, our living hope. Because Jesus' death on the cross dealt with our sin and took God's judgment and his resurrection guarantees that living hope that will never be disappointed. Lamentations chapter 5 encourages us as God's people to gather together and lament in the days of suffering and grief which will be all of our days as Jane already reminded us. Last week we listened to a new song that is written as a lament in order for God's people to give expression to that. It was written by Liv Chapman in the UK who wrote this song, Take Heart, for her brother, Sam, who was crippled by constant pain and who lived the last 12 years of his life filled with suffering. Sam loved Jesus 
and he loved his church, but he struggled week in and week out in the midst of his pain to keep singing of victory and to keep singing of joy and giving God praise. He needed to lament and he needed God's people to lament with him, to acknowledge the pain and to give words with him that express that real suffering and grief. So Liv wrote this song in order that God's people might lament with her brother and give words to grief and sorrow no matter where they were at in their own story. Reflect on these words from this great song. Broken one, take heart for your king has entered in made your heart his home when he washed away your sin. In the darkest day, know your shame is all gone. When he looks at you, God will see his son. And at the throne of grace, he says, sinner, come. Hurting one, take heart, for your king will walk beside. With each rising sun, every grace he will provide. In the hardest day, he will never forsake for he knows your grief and he feels your pain. When the world gives way, Jesus will remain. Waiting one, take heart, for your king will soon return. Ending every strife, he will reign upon the earth. In the longest day, know that the victory is won. Do not fear the world he has overcome. You are safe in him, covered by his love, Do not fear the world he has overcome. You are safe in him, covered by his love. Uh, Liv Chapman wrote this song that God's people might lament together in the days of grief and suffering, which are all our days on this earth. She also says, I wrote this song for Sam, but it's no longer Sam's song. Because he has a new song now, he sings a song of praise to the Lamb. He doesn't need to sing of his grief and his brokenness anymore. Lament is important and grief and suffering is significant, but it's temporary. And these present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Because while we wait with longing for this world and our bodies to be freed from our bondage to decay, we live in hope, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And so who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship 
or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For we are convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's reflect on that song together. Uh, <clears throat> the song we're going to sing, uh, you probably won't know because it's a new one. And, uh, so that's okay, you can just uh, reflect on the words while you listen. It's uh, called Take Heart, and it's written for those, for those who are in lament, to uh, trust in God, even in times of trial. The song we're going to sing, uh, you probably won't know because it's a new one. And uh, so that's okay, you can just uh, reflect on the words while you listen. It's uh, called Take Heart and it's written for those, for those who are in lament to uh, trust in God even in times of trial or of desolation. Uh, so yeah, we're going to sing it. One take heart 
for your king will soon return ending every strife he will reign upon the say